Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon and welcome to Across the Arts. I'm your host, Patrick D. McCoy. Today we welcome a very special guest to the second installment of the Conversation Series, mezzo-soprano Christina Nicole Lewis. This month also marks this podcast's nine-year anniversary. Internationally acclaimed mezzo-soprano Christina Nicole Lewis has had major success throughout the United States and abroad. Tony Salitra of Philadelphia Local Arts Live noted, I simply couldn't get enough of Ms. Lewis's expressively warm voice or her enchanting stage presence. She has also been heard by the Baltimore Sun for having a voice that shines with a burnished tone, has considerable luscious in her singing, as well as admirable acting. Eldridge McPhee of the Bahamas-based Bel Canto Singers commended Ms. Lewis for having a voice that enters the soul and moves the spirit. Ms. Lewis graduated from the prestigious Academy of Vocal Arts in 2015. She attended the Peabody Institute of John Hopkins University for her Master's of Music and Voice and graduated from Converse College School of Music with her Bachelor of Music in Piano Performance. Now, I could go on and on and on about Ms. Lewis's accomplishments, but at this time, please welcome Christina Nicole Lewis to the broadcast. Good afternoon, Christina. Hi, Patrick. Thank you so much for having me. It is such an honor to have you on, and I'm I'm excited to hear about all of the wonderful music that you're going to be singing this holiday with the Choral Arts Society of Washington. Talk to us about your upcoming appearances here in Washington at the Kennedy Center. Sure. Um, so opening night um, is on December 15th, which is this coming Sunday. There are four shows total uh, starting on the 15th, followed by Monday the 16th. Um, now the times of the performances, the 15th would be at 8 p.m. Eastern time, and on the 16th it would be 7 p.m. Eastern Standard time. And then I have two other shows on December 21st. Um, as well as December 24th on Christmas Eve as well. And those are earlier in the afternoon, I believe at 1 and 2 p.m. respectively. Sounds like it's some exciting concerts. Now, of course, holiday music is so special to so many people. What were some of your early experiences performing uh, special music at Christmas time? Sure. So I grew up, surrounded by music. Um, I grew up in a church where my grandfather led the congregation every Sunday in hymns, and so we also had Christmas performances in church as well, and that was at Mouse Chapel uh, CME Church, uh, part of Mouse College in uh, Fairfield, Alabama. Now, simultaneously, I was uh, also a part of Fairfield's um, middle school and high school bands. I played uh, alto saxophone as well as French horn throughout all of those years. And we had Christmas concerts every fall, uh, every winter as well. Um, so I grew up doing that every year. And alongside that, um, I took piano lessons at uh, Birmingham Southern Conservatory of Fine and Performing Arts um, and starting at age six. And I was involved in a number of recitals every year, many of which took place in the winter during Christmas time. So 
long story short here, um, from a very early age, I was involved in performing Christmas songs around that time of year. And, um, you know, just it's something I've been doing every year since, really, as a dedicated musician. So. Now, I was looking through the list of all of the repertoire that's going to be performed by Choral Arts, and I see that you are singing mm-hmm. one of my favorite mezzo-soprano arias from George Frederick Handel's Messiah, O Thou That Tellest Good Tidings to yeah. Zion. As you know, Messiah is such a perennial work. It's a favorite, and it seems like everybody performs Messiah at Christmas time and even beyond Christmas time. Mm-hmm. What was your first experience uh, performing Messiah? My first Handel Messiah was actually back when I was at Peabody Conservatory um, in Baltimore. I performed uh, with the Baltimore Handel Choir, um, and I that was my first time ever doing uh, the alto solos in Messiah Part One. Um, it was a, exciting, but a little slightly nerve-wracking experience, simply because you know, first the first time you do anything is always just there's so many unknowns and um it's very exciting but uh messiah here in philadelphia as well um it's something that i can never get tired of doing uh simply because of how uh, brilliant the work is itself so Mm -hmm. Now, you mentioned Peabody, and of course, Peabody is one of mm-hmm. our most prestigious music schools, and I and I, um, I guess that kind of segues into my next uh, moment. We were talking about memorable experiences uh, that you mm-hmm. had at Peabody, and I'm sure that Messiah was uh, definitely one of them, but what about some of your experiences? Uh, who was a special teacher maybe at Peabody that really inspired you on your journey to become a singer? Sure, sure. So um, I studied under Dr. Stanley Cornett, um, who is still there, actually. And uh, he was the reason I got, one of the reasons I got into Peabody. And the minute he heard me, he took me, actually took me out to lunch afterwards during the whole audition time I was there and, you know, really, really wanted to come to Peabody and study there. And uh, that conservatory also gave me the most scholarship and the ability to go there too. Uh, but he really um, stuck with me all three years I was there and um, helped me win uh, you know, one of the voice competitions at Peabody, the Sylvia Green voice competition. Um, and he basically helped me get my, he helped me get my career taken off uh, where I started doing competitions for the first time in New York Um for different um, uh, organizations. Um, yeah, he's definitely been, he was a special teacher. Oh, most of them there were wonderful. Um, the late John Shirley Quirk um, was one of the, one another memorable teacher I had the pleasure of being able to work with. Um, and the other, so many there that were very inspiring to me. 
Now, to continue us in the holiday spirit, I want to take a moment to spotlight mm-hmm. Choral Arts because that is an amazing program at the Kennedy Center, and it's an opportunity where people get to come not only to watch them sing, but the people get to sing along. So right now I'm going to play a very uh, familiar and favorite carol sung by the Choral Arts Society of Washington, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Already, I'm already excited and ready for Christmas listening to that. 
That comes from the Choral Arts Society of Washington's recording called A Washington Christmas. And for more information about this recording or choral arts, please visit choralarts.org, choralarts.org. Now, Christina, I want to go and I want to go back to a wonderful ensemble that I saw in your bio called Bel Canto. It's such a small world. I had the opportunity to meet uh, Maestro Eldridge McPhee uh, several years ago, and it turns out he's my fraternity brother. So it was oh, it was and fascinating to see that in the bio, and I had a chance to actually greet him in the Bahamas and to hear Bel Canto here in Washington. So tell me, how did you um, become in association with Bel Canto, and and what did you guys perform together? Sure. So while I was at Peabody, actually, um, I sang in a master class for Denise Graves. And one of my colleagues, who uh, was a pianist at the time named Dion Cunningham, um, approached me afterwards. And he's a he's a native of he's from, he's a native of the Bahamas. Uh, he's from there originally, and he was studying at Peabody the same time I was. And he he of course knows Eldridge Eldridge McPhee and mentioned you know I would love to have you come down and sing for us because uh, he was blown away by my singing, and so um, we coordinated uh, an opportunity where they flew myself along with a few instrumentalists and uh, my colleague Dion down to the Bahamas, um, and it was my first performance as an, uh, internationally. Uh, so um, I performed um, from Charlotte's, oh, from Massenet's Verter, um, the main aria that Charlotte sings. Um, and I also gave a master class at the same time, uh, shortly thereafter, uh, for the singers, uh, for the Bel Canto singers. Um, they had a thing at the resort, um, that Disney resort there. I think it's called Atlantis. I can't quite mm. remember the name of it, but it, yeah, it was a, a magical experience. And we were all treated like royalty. I mean, Eldridge McPhee is just such an amazing human being, and just to have the opportunity to come overseas was really spectacular. Um, I also sang um, just a few uh, classical works, Ave Maria, um, just things that uh, felt showcased my voice well at the time. Um, And it was a very, very uh, well-attended event, so... It was my first one, though, in terms of singing um, outside of the United States. Oh, wow. And thank you for sharing that. Now, I am curious, and I'm sure the listeners are curious. Now, of course, when I look at all of the wonderful uh, adverses, I see this beautiful uh, headshot of you, and you're the vocal soloist, you're the mezzo-soprano soloist, but what fascinated me also was when I read your bio, and it said you got your degree in piano performance. That is so amazing that you here you are, this magnificent singer and equally a gifted pianist. Talk to us a little bit about um, those two areas of you being a singer and a pianist, and how did you make I – don't, I don't necessarily – know if I want to say the transition, but just how did you know that sure, you, you yeah. sang as well as as you played, I guess, for lack of better words? 
<laughs> sure. So, you know, I I grew up you know, singing in choir, um, but it was nothing. I I never thought I would be an opera singer, and I, that was not my intention when I uh, was taking piano lessons at a young age. I always wanted to be, you know, just the best classical pianist in the world. Like that that was like my dream as a kid, and wow. I. I I wanted to when I got to college at Converse. At that point, my my dream became a little bit more. I, I really wanted to become a college professor in piano. And uh, my sophomore year in college, I was uh, singing in choir and also playing for voice students as a part of my piano degree requirements. And um, I sang alto in choir. Didn't know I had a voice, though, um, but some of the women who sat next to me or around me, you know, mentioned here and there, you have a really nice alto voice. Maybe you should consider taking a voice lesson. And I, I was like, mm, okay, maybe I'll think about it. And so finally I got <laughs> curious, and I, the head of the voice department, her name is Dr. Beverly Hay. She is probably one of the main reasons I'm singing, because when I went to her and asked her for a voice lesson, she uh, she's like, sure, just bring in, like, an Italian art song. I didn't know where to start. So I had my opera singer friends help me translate, learn the notes. And when I took in the piece to her, she said, the best note you sang was the lowest one on the page. <laughs> so mm. from there, she vocalized me and noticed the lower my voice got, the more powerful and resonant it was. And she's like, you have a very special voice. And she got so excited about it. And she said, you know, I would love to teach you and so my junior year in undergrad I just started taking voice lessons on the side still didn't think anything much of pursuing a career in it but things just took off in a way that I didn't even anticipate it where every lesson it was like I just grew and was starting to discover that I had this voice I thought I sounded like a man the first part they sang because my voice was so raw and untrained. And I just, you know, it, 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 it's, a, it's a deep, low, red, it, it can, I can sing low. And so I thought that was very unusual. And I was kind of uh, taken back by it initially. Like, is this normal? Am I supposed to sound like this? But through, year, through the uh, two years of being at Converse, just training, started taking diction classes, and I was just constantly encouraged to consider pursuing a career in voice because of the instrument I had. And so by my senior year, you know, I still was um, doing all of my requirements as a pianist, and I knew I was going to, I wanted to finish the degree, but I thought to myself, you know, where do I see myself going after this? And I, I know more than anything, I love performing, more than teaching, more than Anything else, I, I just, I love performing. I love being on stage. And so after doing a little bit of research and weighing out my options, you know, I was like, you know, how about I try a new chapter in my life and, and just try to do voice, you know? And so my senior year in college, I made a decision to apply to three grad schools only for voice. I wasn't, I didn't apply for piano, and it, it was very for the lack of a better way of putting it, nerve-wracking moments for me because I, you know, had known piano my whole life. I was very, very new and green as a singer, and I just didn't know if, you know, this was the best choice, but it felt right at the time. And 
uh, Peabody, you know, that was the school I ultimately chose and, and um, went to, and it just changed my life, like, becoming a singer full-time, but that is how I started it. I just, out of curiosity, asked for a voice lesson and decided to take lessons, and things just really skyrocketed um, in a way that was, I still can't explain <laughs> till today, you know, it, it just, it's pretty amazing. Um, and it's ironic because my dad is a singer and, you know, I, I grew up listening to him and my dad was a part of an R&B group for 30 years called the controllers. Um, oh, and wow. they performed all around the world. Yeah. And being, you know, seeing that, you know, I knew I wanted, I, I, I always admired my dad as a performer and I wanted to be similar in terms of just, being able to express myself as a performer, but I thought I'd be doing that through piano and not actually through singing, just like my dad. And so it's just ironic, but I think there's a reason everything happens. And I, I, I just, I see it as an extended version of, of him, my mom, myself, you know, and being able to be the singer. So, yeah. Wow. Now, since your 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 focus has turned mainly into singing, how do you maintain your 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 piano prowess, your skills at the piano? Do you get a chance to still practice? I do. It's it's funny you ask that because uh, <laughs> it's been it hasn't been easy, um, only because there've been times that have come and gone where I haven't been as motivated because it's a it's a lot to maintain a high level of artistry as a pianist. It's something you have to practice daily. And when I went from undergrad to graduate as a singer, I had to put the piano on the back burner, which was strange for me. I still practiced um, from time to time throughout grad school and at ABA. Um, but I knew I had a lot of catching up to do as a singer because compared to the colleagues I was around, I was kind of behind. I didn't, didn't even know stage terms. And uh, sometimes after uh, rehearsal, I would stay behind with another singer and ask questions and just try to understand, like, what am I supposed to be doing? How does this work? So piano had to get pushed to the side a little bit. But, you know, once a pianist, in my opinion, always a pianist. Once you, I mean, you know, a musician is always a musician, I, I believe. And um, it's something that I feel I am starting to integrate more back into my life playing piano. Um, and that ultimately I like to incorporate both professionally. Um, but these past 10 years have been dedicated primarily to singing because. You know, before that, it was all about piano. So, yeah, it's still, I still I have a piano at my apartment. I still practice, but it's not as extensive as it used to be simply because I've had to, you know, change priority based on the career decisions I've made. So. Well, that's amazing. I know it comes in handy when you have to teach yourself new music. Oh, it does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. It does. Um, no, I, no. Tell, talk to me about what was what was your um, what was your introduction to um, choral arts and maestro uh, Scott Tucker? How did that all come into being? 
Sure. So um, Maestro Scott Tucker heard me uh, or heard um, a recording of mine that I did. I used to sing at the Basilica of the National Shrine in Washington, D.C., mm. um, and I sang there for two years, and I got a chance to perform and also record um, um, the shrine does uh, – they do like an Easter recording generally every year. And I, I'm sorry, Christmas recording every year. And I got a chance to record what child is this where I was a soloist for that. And uh, Maestro heard this, Maestro Tucker heard this and he wanted to hear me live. So I got a chance to audition for him back in May um, when I went down to Washington DC and uh, I sang Handel's uh, Messiah as one of my audition pieces and once I sang that, he just, he kind of knew he wanted me for the songs of the season uh, because, you know, it, of the type of repertoire they'd be singing. So, um, yeah, it just, it was an opportunity that just was unexpected, but it opened up for me right right around the right time. So. That's fascinating. Now, what excites you about singing this Christmas concert at the Kennedy Center? That has got to be such a momentous uh, it is. It is. It is definitely a milestone for me because um, it is my first uh, performance in the actual Kennedy Center concert hall. I've technically oh, performed at the Kennedy Center before, but yeah, but I did the Met competition. Yeah, I did the Met competition back in 2012. That's held, I believe, in Terrence Hall. Um, it's another part of the Kennedy Center, but this is my first one as a guest artist at the Kennedy Center Concert Hall. And so it's uh, just, I'm, it's it's still very surreal to me that I'm actually doing this in like a week or less. <laughs> but Oh my goodness, congratulations. Yeah, it's why I'm really excited. Yeah, thank you so much. And this, the dress rehearsal was this past weekend and uh, hearing the choir, I mean, they're magnificent. Uh I feel very lucky to be able to sing under Maestro Tucker's, um, you know, just under him as well as the the choir. So it's just going to be a wonderful, it's, it's a wonderful experience. I'm really excited. Well, your picture is all over town. <laughs> <laughs> so it certainly yeah. is a big I, deal. I and I just... <laughs> It's a little surreal. <laughs> Someone, uh, one of my friends sent me a picture, and they have me up on their refrigerator. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of like, whoa, <laughs> this is the first time I've experienced such Um, You know, it's it's really something. So I feel very, very lucky. Well, again, definitely congratulations, and we're just about uh, about to wrap up here. But I I, I can't express enough the fact that it's wonderful to have this opportunity to to introduce you um, to perhaps a new audience of listeners. And I wanted to just to know uh, what kind of advice would you offer um, maybe a young singer who wants to pursue a career in classical music, in particular. To do what they, what their heart desires, but to also be practical, also be realistic, um, 
you know, it's, it's a tough business. And while there are more singers than ever before, less opportunities, um, and also to connect with people you know will support you. Um, support in this business is so crucial, I feel. And knowing the right people um, can really get you, you know, can help you go a long way, but also just a lot of hard work and just dedication. It does take persistence um, because with this type of career, you'll experience a lot of rejections. And that was something that I've had to grow and learn to deal with as a singer, um, accepting or just dealing with rejection because um, it's not easy. And um, But for anyone, you have to really love this type of business in order to pursue it, I feel. Like, I feel like the average opera singer doesn't do this because of the money. They do it because they love it. Um, mm. And if you work hard enough, you know, it, it can be very lucrative, but, you know, you have to enjoy it. Um, in an interview I did recently, I mentioned that I took a couple years off, um, you know, once I left ABA. And that was something I felt that was greatly needed because it helped me to appreciate what I was, what I had done all of this time. It started becoming more like work. You know, I wasn't enjoying it as much because of the pressure of just, you know, not handling rejection well and, um, you know, just, it's a journey. And so but the, the time away is a growing process too. Uh, it's a part of the journey. And now that I've come back into the singing arena after a couple of years of a hiatus, I feel that it's just revitalized me. And, you know, I would tell any young singer, you know, to go with, go with the flow of life. You know, this, this, this journey is not the singer is full of ups and downs, but, um, the downs make you appreciate the uptimes and vice versa. And, you know, it's, it's just, I, I really think that any young singer has the ability to make it happen. It's just a matter of hard work and being around people who support you. Too. That is perfect advice. Now I've sat here and I've thought of two more questions that I want to ask you. <laughs> and the first, <laughs> Don't don't worry. They're 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 great questions. I think the first one I want to ask you: What would you say is your favorite Christmas or holiday song? So there are actually two that come to mind. I I'm really fond of Oh Holy Night and Oh Come All You Faithful. Um, it's something about those two pieces, especially Oh Holy Night, the way that they're structured. There's like you know, the climax in the middle and there's just, it's just a beautiful way to express basically the, you know, the reason for the season. Um, Those are two of my favorite um, songs. One song though, that has recently become a favorite of mine is I wonder as I wonder. And I'm I'm singing that as well um, coming up this Sunday. Yeah. So um, having practiced that and, you know, performing it in a few days, it's become one of my new favorites. 
uh, Christmas songs, actually. So. And then my final question is, if you had to be on a desert island, what composer's <laughs> music would you take with you? <laughs> Rachmaninoff, without question. Oh. <laughs> Almost anyone who knows me knows that is my far my favorite composer, Rachmaninoff. Um, I'm a late romantic snob. I just I absolutely love late romantic music from Verdi to Strauss. Uh, Wagner, but Rachmaninoff as a pianist, I must say that he he wins my heart when it comes to uh, if I had to live on a desert island with just one composer's music, it would be his. Well, Christina, it has certainly been a joy speaking with you today, and we are looking forward to hearing you with the Choral Arts Society of Washington in Songs of the Season, Christmas with Choral Arts, on Sunday, December 15th at 8 o'clock, Monday, December 16th at 7 o'clock, Saturday, December 21st at 1 o'clock, and Tuesday, December 24th, Christmas Eve at 2 o'clock at the Kennedy Center Concert Hall. For more information, you can visit choralarts.org. And again, Christina, where can people follow you if people want to follow you on social media? Um, I do have an artist page on Facebook. Um, that would probably be the easiest way to follow me right now. I'm in the process of working on a website, um, and ultimately I will uh, have more information on that. But right now, um, if people just were to search in my my name um, on Facebook, that's the, the easiest way to follow me and any performances I have coming up. Again, thank you so much. Again, this has been Across the Arts. I'm your host, Patrick D. McCoy. We have been chatting with mezzo-soprano Christina Nicole Lewis, who appears with the Choral Arts Society of Washington under the direction of Scott Tucker. Get in the holiday season, and we hope to see you at the Kennedy Center for these very special concerts with a very special mezzo. Thank you again, Christina. Thank you, Patrick. Again, this has been Patrick D. McCoy. I'm your host for Across the Arts with Patrick D. McCoy. Have a great day.